you know, if you notice, we have a manger here today, and uh, we're going to be talking about, we kind of have been focused on things, everything pointing to Jesus, and the manger is one part of, uh, obviously, the Christmas story, and as I, I meditated on it, I just kind of thought, hey, let's, let's talk about uh, the manger. Now, before we do, um, where is it? Oh, okay. I got a joke. I like jokes, so I, I found one this week, and nobody likes it, but I'm going to tell anyways because I have fun just telling them. Did you know that 10 plus 10 and 11 plus 11 is the same? Did you know that? 10 plus 10 equals 20. 11 plus 11 equals 22. What? Why don't, why don't? All right, so we'll know if there's any, I didn't even, I didn't even, I didn't plan this, but it kind of works out. So we'll know if there's any crabs here today. Because you know why crabs don't give uh, to charity? Because they're shellfish. No, huh? Anyways, okay. Let's get to, let's get to the, the matter at hand. The manger, we all know about the manger. And, you know, what's interesting about the manger is that it probably didn't look like this, just so you know. We have a way of glorifying things and making them look really nice. Like, so when you see, uh, when you see uh, stories of, you know, uh, the gospel, even in, when you see it in, in even Charlie Brown and all that stuff, you see these scenes and they make everything look pretty. Everything looks wonderfully pretty. Uh, but uh, uh, I don't know if anybody's been to uh, Bethlehem and seen where, at least the way they think he was born, the, the manger was actually a cave. I don't know if you know that, but the manger was a cave. It was, uh, you know, that's where they had the animals. And, you know, my guess is the manger that was there that was like that Jesus was born in was probably pretty dirty, pretty smelly. Uh, you know, uh, animals eat out of the trough. And, you know, when animals eat out of there, uh, sometimes they uh, regurgitate, you know, and so, you know, they spit the stuff back up. And so I wonder what it would have been like during that time. Uh, I was just talking to someone just like right before uh, the, our, our gathering here today. And I was just saying how he was like, he's, he's like, he's excited that he just started following Jesus. And he just, he just, Jesus just came into his life and he's, he, he loves it. And He's realizing that, you know, life, the view of life is totally different. And he wants to follow. Like, he wants to do what Jesus wants him to do. And, you know, when, when we tell stories about uh, following God, we usually tell the miracle part of it. You know, we usually tell the, the miracle part about how God provided or God came through or God healed or God did this or God did that. But a lot of times we don't tell about the difficult side of those things. You know, uh, I'm looking over here. It's good, good to see Jimmy and Michelle here. And, and, you know, I mean, come on, we've been together and we, we, we saw this thing come to pass, this building. And, you know, we could talk about all the miracles. We do a lot and it, it encourages us. But, but, you know, how about the times Jimmy and I, <laughs> what are we going to do? 
we're in big trouble. We don't know what's going on. God, what's happening? You know, we get, we get, you know, we start building, we put the beams up and all of a sudden, you know, the EMP isn't on and where is it? And can't put the roof on and, you know, and then all of a sudden the back wall falls down and God miraculously, uh, miraculously doesn't kill any, you know, nobody gets killed, but, you know, then we got to figure it all out. We got dust stuff coming, you know, all this crap. I mean, it's just so much junk, so much stuff. We don't tell the tough sides of things. And if we think about the, the, the story, I mean, this is a, a pregnant woman who had to travel on a, on a donkey. And she was pretty far along. Anyone here? Anyone here? Pregnant, pretty far along? Anyone? We just, I know what was going on during the pandemic because we just dedicated 16 kids. So I know something was happening during the pandemic. Anyways, um, you know, like it's not easy during those end times, like during the end time of a birth. I mean, it's not easy. And so they went through a lot of stuff and then they went through rejection. Oh, I mean, it was not an easy thing. And Jesus is born in, in a manger. And, and one of the things I just started thinking about is what, why? Why would, why would Jesus, like what, what is it about that whole thing that, that, that Jesus would have come that way? Because we know that he was a king. We know that he had everything. We know that he owned everything, that he created everything, that everything through through him, everything was created. We know this. And yet he's born in this cave, which is called a manger, inside a trough. And, you know, I watched the the video that we put out uh, for the Christmas special, and I remember one thing where they were saying, oh, it was stinky. I'm sure it was pretty smelly in that place. I mean, we have cows living out back of our house, and, you know, you can smell them. We don't even live with them. Well, the first thing I think, one of the things that, I, if I, I was to ask the question, why, and I, I don't really have the answers, I'm just going to kind of postulate here, but, you know, we know that Jesus was born in a lowly state or a low, kind of like a, a low caste. He was born in a low caste. And I think the reason why he was, you know, he wasn't born in a fancy hospital. He wasn't born, he wasn't born in, in a nice place with nice robes. None of that. And I think that just goes along with Philippians chapter two, where it says that Jesus being found in the form of God did not think, uh, uh, being found in the form of God was something to be grasped, but he, but he, uh, gave up all of that, that he, he, he became, he took upon the form of a servant. Even, even a servant that would come to die. And he stripped himself totally of all of that. Now, why? Why would he do that? I think one of the reasons why he was born in a lowly state was that so that the, the lowly would not be afraid to come to him. Remember, I mean, even, 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 even here, you see it happen in the cast where like you have some people who are like high caste and, and then you have some people who are low caste and, and they're they afraid to come. They're afraid to come. When we moved to Bali, uh, we, we brought someone uh, with us from Salatiga and, you know, he was a very poor, uh, poor uh, person. You know, <laughs> it's one of those things where we, we said, hey, he felt a call to the ministry. We said, hey, come with us. And he said, okay, I'm going to sell everything I had. And basically he had one juto and he was done. And he came with us. And I remember the first time that I started walking around and I'm talking to some boules. And he would stand off in the back. He wouldn't like talk to them. 
he, he was afraid because he felt like they were so far above him and so far away. He was, he was afraid to come to them. So if Jesus came down as a king the way he really was, do you think the low and the poor would have come? And that's the beautiful thing about Jesus. He went as low as possible because he wanted to make sure that no one was afraid to come to him. That no one in low position would be afraid to come to him. It says in, in Luke, he says, that's the reason why he came. The spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me to, get, to bring good news to the poor. I mean, we, we have this in our own society. We learn this over and over again that, that, that like, if, if we're in a low place and someone's in a higher place, that, that they're gonna, that it's hard for us to come to them. It's hard for us to walk in and just talk to them. Because the, 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 even the persona, the, the ja'im, the, 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 the garbs that they wear, they don't even let people come. And during that time, the Pharisees and the, and the magistrates and all these people above them, they didn't want, the, the poor never got anything from them. What did they get? Taxes. What did they get? They got told what to do. And I'm sure that we've done that even in our own lives. And so Jesus came in this low place. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Well, if you're afraid to come to him, then you're not going to be able to get that rest. Now, the second part of that, the other side is, I think he was born in this lowly place so that, and, and in this humble state, that, so that only the lowly and humble people would be able to come to him. Because see, it was rich. When we look at the Magi, the Magi definitely had some money. There's no doubt about it. They had money. They had big, expensive gifts to give to Jesus. They had, you know, they were able to travel long distances. They were able to leave their home. These guys had money. But they humbled themselves. They didn't come to Jesus in a state of, I am great. I am awesome. I am amazing. You know, like, what does Jesus have to give? Oh, he's a king. I'm a king. We can relate to each other. There's no way. There's, what does what the Bible says? The Bible says what? That God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And so the only way that you could come to this baby who was going to be in a manger, who was a king, the only way you could come is to lower yourself. And that's why a lot of times I think we don't actually... Uh, experience or receive from God. Not that he's withholding from us, but that we are unwilling to humble ourselves and say, guess what, God? <laughs> I realize that I am nothing and you are everything. And the Magi came to him in a time where he didn't even look like that. He looked like a little baby in a trough in a cave. And they were willing to humble themselves. That's why you got guys like Herod who weren't willing to come to him. Why? Because they were threatened by their position, and he's like, I'm up here. And if, 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 God, if, if Jesus wants to come to me, he's got to come up here to, to reach me. You know, we say that God will, uh, will uh, you know, come to where we're at. You know, he'll meet us where we're at. And that is true. I believe that is absolutely true. But there's a problem here. If there is someone who is high and mighty and, and unwilling to humble themselves and realize that they have a need, God will meet them where they're at, but boy, the conversation will be quite different. I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life where 
you know, I've been pretty stubborn. <clears throat> Don't amen, Carol. No amens from over there. Uh, and, and, and it's funny. I remember a time where, like, I was so mad at God. And, and you might say this way. I held my breath for six months because I was unwilling to receive what God wanted for my life and what was going on. And I was mad at him. And, and, and then I realized, you know what? God can hold his breath longer than I can. He'll wait for a long, long time. He'll be, he sat next to me, walked next to me, uh, worked with me, but was just waiting for me to finally come to a low place and come to him and say, God, I need you. God, no matter all the stuff I have is nothing. Like Paul said, everything I've achieved is like uh, dung, you know, cow dung. But he is everything. The only way you can come to Jesus, I got, there's, there's good news and bad news here. The good news is that all who are lowly can come to him. But all those who are high and mighty, he's waiting for you to humble yourself. And he says, come to me, but you got to humble yourself. That's a hard thing. Come on, let's be honest. This is not an easy thing to do. I'm a proud man. I'm sure some of you are uh, in that same place. We get prideful. We get a place where we're like, you know what? Come on, I've worked hard. I deserve. I've, I've done this. I've, you know, like the older brother, like, like uh, Natalie shared uh, a few weeks ago about the older brother who uh, was saying, you give all the stuff to the, the son who ran away and, and uh, just squandered all your money. How come you never give anything to me? See how high and mighty he is? If you want to receive from God everything he has for you, you must lower yourself. You have to lower yourself and come all the way into a, a place where it smells, where there's animals, where there's, where there's, uh, where there's people who, who don't have any money, they didn't have any money, to a, to a baby who doesn't look like a king. And you've got to give your life to that, that one. You've got to lower yourself. You'll never, ever experience God from a high place. Isaiah says it this to those that are high and mighty. He says, there, is nothing, there was nothing beautiful or uh, majestic about his appearance, nothing that would attract us to him. Sometimes that's what's going on in your life. You look at God, you say, there's nothing that attracts me to that lifestyle. Haven't you ever heard someone says, I don't want to come to Jesus. I don't want to be a Christian because they don't have any fun. Which is not true, but I know where they're coming from. They don't want to lower themselves. Have you ever heard about that story? But the guy says, I will believe in you. I'll believe in you, God. If You, know, I'm gonna, you said that we can walk on water, so I'm going to test you. I'm going to walk out on the, on the ocean, and if I walk on water, I'll believe in you. Obviously, the guy didn't walk on water. Because God's not going to try to do that. You're not going to say to God, sing and dance, and he will do that for you. He wants you to lower yourself. He says to the rich, he says in James, he says, those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. 
Matthew 13, 15, I love that. He says, he says, for the hearts of people are hardened. Now, what he's saying here is, when we read this passage, what he's talking about is that those that have eyes will not see and those that have ears will not hear. What he's talking about is he's going to come in a way that is not going to be understandable. He's going to come into a manger that's not going to be easily understandable. There was this lady. She was weird, really weird. She was kind of wacky. I remember we were in a small congregation. She was kind of wacky. But there were times where she would speak things from God, and they were like so, so right on. But I watched people going, she's wacky. Nobody, they would not even listen to her. Why? Because they were looking at her. See, so their eyes could not see. Their ears would not hear. It says, for the hearts of people are hardened and their ears cannot hear and, and, and they close their, their eyes. So their eyes cannot see and their ears cannot hear and their hearts cannot understand and they cannot turn to me and let them heal me. The only way to come to this Jesus, to come to this baby, is to come in a lowly way. If you are hungry for God, and you want to experience God, I'm telling you what you, I'm giving you the answer. The answer is right here. Humble yourself. Don't ask God to do something for you in order to believe. Come to God, lower yourself, say, God, I am hungry. I am tired. I, my soul is thirsting for something that I need. And I haven't been able to find it. So I come to you, God, and I humble myself before you. I ask, oh God, bring me the living water. Remember he said to the woman at the well, he said, if you only knew who stood in front of you, she didn't recognize him. He said, you would ask of me and I would give you rivers of living water. He will give you rivers of living water when you humble yourself. He says what? He says he uses the foolish things of the world to confuse the wise. He does foolish things to confuse. That's why everything is so opposite when it comes to, to, to Jesus and to following God. He says, what, you want to save your life? What do you do? Lose it. You try to save your life, you'll lose it. Everything is opposite. That's why you must become low for him to lift you up. And I believe that's one of the reasons why he was born in a manger. The other part is that he was born into the center of a family. I love that about Jesus. He was born right in the middle of a big old dysfunctional mess. And if you don't think that that family was a mess, let's start talking a little bit about that mess that they were in. First of all, they were runaways. And by the way, after, they, after the birth, did they go back to their hometown? Nope, they ran even more. They were a family on the run. They were a family that was scorned and shamed. Why? Because this woman was pregnant out of wedlock. They were dysfunctional. Uh, you know, I, they, they, I'm sure, I, I don't know their personalities because the Bible doesn't really talk too much about it. Once it, it talks about the niceties of, of Mary, but I'm sure 
Mary, how old was she? She was very young. How many here, how many here were married, uh, got married to their wife uh, or their husband when they were in their teens, before they were 20 years old? Anybody? Anybody here? How many here are, 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 are glad that they didn't get married before they were 20 years old? Yeah. Why? Uh, we're pretty stupid. We're pretty dumb. We're pretty immature. Well, these were two teenagers. So Jesus was born right in the center of a mess. And I love that about him because what that means is that you have maybe have been born again in the center of a mess. You may have been born in a family that was a mess, that you have, might have a life that's a mess. And he understands that life. And he knows how to come alongside you and say, yep, I grew up in a messy place too. And I can understand how to get you through. I really believe that. I believe that's one of the reasons why Jesus was born in the center of a family. The other reason I think he was born in the center of a family is not only that he could understand a mess, like he, uh, I'll just skip all that, in the center of a family, so he could, he understood that family was so valuable. Now, when I say family, I'm not just talking about husband, wife, and children. We all need family. Whether you are married or not, you need, I need, we all need a family. It's invaluable. It's one of the reasons why they say during Christmas time is one of the most depressing times for people. Because families are getting together and they feel alone. But God doesn't leave you alone. And that's why we need each other. That's why when we came to Christ, it says what? In, in John chapter 1, it says, he gave you the right to become the children of God. He made you part of a family. The first thing he did in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he says that he baptized you. means he put you into a, he said he baptized you into the family of believers. He wants you to be part of a community. You need each other. Desperately, you need each other. Just, just last night, we got a phone call from someone and they were feeling really lonely and down. And the reason why they called us is they know that we're close to them. And they just needed to talk to someone. They needed to have a voice that they, they knew. This is one of the reasons why I encourage you. And, and I'm not trying to advertise it. It just sits here. It just fits here. That like the small groups, the connect groups that we have is so important. So important. You know, I mentioned, I mentioned uh, Arnold. This is his first Christmas without his dad. I love Arnold, man. I mean, I stood next to him when, when, when we did the funeral. I was with him. I hugged him. I kissed him. I, I mean, I, 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 you know, we, had him, we have him over our house. We talked to him. Why? Because he's part of our family. It's desperate. It's, it's so, we desperately need a family. That's why Jesus values family. I believe that's why he was born into a family, because he wants us to know that family is so important. And if you don't have family, if you don't have that kind of community, come see me. I will connect you in. I'll get you in somewhere. We'll find a place for you. There's always a place. The, the family value is so, so important. We cannot, we cannot follow God alone. It is impossible. What does he say in, in, in Romans chapter, chapter 8? He says, 
Those who are led by the Spirit are the children of God, and the Spirit you receive does not make you slaves to live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought you into adoption of sonship, and by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies to our spirit that we are the children of God. I don't know. I encourage you to do this exercise. When you are feeling lonely and down, Close your eyes. Forget about everything else. And just go deep inside your heart and let the Spirit of God touch your spirit. I'm telling you, when you do that, it changes the view. When you open your eyes back up, things will look different. How many have ever gone deep into their heart and realized when they were in, when they were in need that God was there? He's just there with you, and he's your dad, and he'll never leave you. He's always with you. But sometimes we got to stop and just connect with him. He knows. He values family. That's why he made us. He made us uh, his children. That's why he was born into a family. And then finally, I'm going to stop here. It's not a long message today, but I really believe that Jesus wants to go one more step He was born in the manger, but he wants to be born in your heart. That's his number one thing. See, I really think, you know, when he said it was time for him to leave, he told the disciples, hey, it's time for me to go to be with my father. They're like, no, don't leave us. You know, he's by their side. But you know what? He said, what? I go so that the spirit will come. He wants to be closer than walk by your side. He wants to be closer than that. He wants to be so close that he can communicate right inside you. Friday, we had a wonderful time just praying for a a family who was was leaving Bali, and and we wept together. We wept and cried together. It was, you know, one of those happy and sad times. But we started talking about hearing the voice of God within Jesus wants to be born inside every person's heart. He's willing and waiting. He doesn't care who you are. So all he's saying is, humble yourself, open up your heart, and I'm a come. Today, if you have never done that, as we pray in a minute, I want you to take a second and let the Lord just come into your heart. If today you've already done that, but you haven't heard his voice in a long time, We're going to spend a little time. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on out. We're going to spend just a minute letting you connect. It's one of the reasons why before our gatherings, we always just spend five minutes just kind of trying to connect with God. It's one of the things Sunday mornings are supposed to be. That's why I really enjoyed the worship today because it wasn't hyper. It wasn't, you know, it was just like, let's just connect with God. So let's just take a moment. Let's just close our eyes. Let's get deep inside our heart for a minute. And let's just listen for the voice of God. And if you've never heard the voice of God, open up your heart, say, God, come in. I believe he will speak to you. You can hear him.